Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, it's the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. Lots going on. From the NFL collective bargaining tables. We'll tell you about that. In segment three, Forrest Lucas, 69 year old entrepreneur and president of Lucas Oil Products. You might go, who's Forrest Lucas? But if I told you that he's the guy who paid uh, a lot of money for the naming rights for Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, where the Colts play, he's all over the world of NASCAR, does a lot in the world of motorsports. That's who he is. We'll talk to him coming up in segment three. Then Bill Duffy, prominent NBA player agent, represents Steve Nash, Rajon Rondo, uh, Greg Oden, Yao Ming, and others. He's going to join us. We'll talk about Greg Oden, but we're also going to talk about the latest from the collective bargaining tables with the NBA. Here's a guy that's not muzzled by the NBA or the Players Association. He can speak freely. He'll give us some insight as to what may happen with the CBA there. CBA, the NBA, expires June 30th. A couple of other notes. Visit my Sports Business blog. Download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Find those icons on the homepage as well. Griggs, Mavericks, Bruins, Champions. Uh, big week for anointing new champions in the NBA and NHL. Yeah, especially the NBA. That was a fun uh, series. I really got into that one. NHL was fun, too, but Game 7 was just a disaster in my book. But uh, it was fun either way. Both series were fun to watch. Speaking of disaster, after the Bruins-Vancouver game, I mean, what is up with sports riots? Why do people have to riot? You go turn cars over, start them on fire. I've never understood that display of anger and passion after a win or a loss, but we saw it aplenty in Vancouver after the Canucks blew a two games to nothing lead and lost that series in seven. All right, sports headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is SBR. Back with more after this. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. 
It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Headline number one, according to numerous sources, negotiations between the NFL owners and players for a new CBA, they're 80 to 85% complete. Remember, Griggs, we told everyone last week, July 15th, I said a deal will be in place by July 15th. Looks like it could be even sooner than that. But here's a story that I thought was funny. Earlier this week, everything's going along swimmingly. The owners and players are talking, and they bring the lawyers in. And as soon as they bring the lawyers in, things start going sideways, and they had to throw the lawyers out of the room. And what I've always said is lawyers aren't interested in resolution because it doesn't jive with their business model. For them, the more billable hours, the longer the conflict, then the more money they get paid. So I think in in legal terms, you know, in construction, when people are doing roads and building freeways and things like that, or they're doing uh, big construction buildings, you get bonused for if you finish the project early. I think lawyers should be bonused if they can resolve a conflict early, but that's not how they operate. So good for the NFL players and owners for wanting to continue to make progress, throwing the lawyers out of the room. And it looks very positive that we're going to get this done pretty soon and get people activated with signing players and rookies and free agents and then start the season on time. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. I think it is great that the lawyers got pushed out because that's a good sign that they want to get something done. They want to get it closed quickly, get the season going. And the cool thing about this, it's going to be fun because when they close this and the season is, is a go, it's going to come quick. And it's going to be a flurry of activity because yeah. you're going to be condensing all the off-season activities into just a few weeks with signing players and getting people ready for camp. So it's going to be fun to watch. But kudos to the NFL players and owners for realizing there's $9 billion a year at stake here. And it looks like they're coming to the realization that they cannot lose games this season. Our next headline... The Dallas Mavericks are NBA champions. There's so many storylines around this. First of all, it was the second highest rated NBA final since 2004. So great TV ratings. Uh, 18 million people tuned in to watch Game 6, the clincher for the Mavericks in Miami. But here are some of my favorite stories. Number one. So the Mavericks go out to celebrate in South Beach after this at Miami's Fountain Blue Restaurant, Griggs. Mark Cuban, the owner of the Mavericks, orders a $90,000 bottle of champagne, leaves a $20,000 tip for the wait staff. How'd you like to come to work that night and someone walks in and leaves a $20,000 tip for the wait staff? That's a good night. That is unreal and unbelievable. And the riots probably started with the wait staff. <laughs> Who's going to get the dough? I well, served him. I served him. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if you were the guy that like called in sick that night Crazy. or you know that was your night off and uh, you missed out on the $20,000 tip? The other thing is we've seen the power of social media. Mark Cuban tweets out a picture of him on the team plane with the trophy. He's got a cigar in his mouth. The thing got 350,000 hits in less than 12 hours. My favorite picture, though, was Mark Cuban standing at the urinal 
with the NBA championship trophy. I can only see Commissioner Stern and Adam Silver in the NBA League office just going, oh my God, look what he's doing with the trophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a great picture. And like you said, Twitter awesome on, on championship teams like that, especially when you got an owner like Mark Cuban because he's just going crazy. And you know there's crazy pictures, there's fun stuff going on, and the fans, we soak that up big time. So everyone liked the NBA Finals, and the sad thing is, is we'll hear in just a few minutes with Bill Duffy, prominent NBA agent who's very close to the CBA and um, understands what's going on there. We're going to have a lockout, and it's probably going to be lengthy. And... All this momentum that has been built up, probably going to be lost. But uh, congratulations to the Mavericks. They're a great organization from top to bottom. Mark Cuban has put a lot of money and passion into winning a championship. He finally got that this week. All right, our next headline, the Boston Bruins. 39 years they've gone since winning their last title. And they beat the Vancouver Canucks in seven games. Uh, Tim Thomas is the MVP. Someone's got to get him an endorsement deal with a razor company or something. I mean, he looks like Grizzly Adams, and he's got a good personality. He's a great goalie. He was MVP of the series. But, uh, you know, it's interesting, Griggs, in the last few years, Pittsburgh, Chicago Blackhawks, Boston Bruins, big cities, big Hockey towns have all won titles. I think that's good for the NHL. I think it is good for the NHL. And uh, the series was so, a weird series. I mean, because you had the Vancouver go up two games to none, look like they got it handled. Then you got they, Boston comes back, makes it a series, and ends up in a game seven that was terrible for Vancouver fans. I mean, it's like they didn't even show up. It was a horrible game on their home ice and kind of a bad way for them to go out in a game seven. Well, it was a schizophrenic series because when they played at home, Vancouver, until game seven, uh, it was low scoring, but they found a way to win. And Luongo played really well. When he went on the road, it was like the guy had never played goalie before. They had to pull him from games. He's giving up eight goals in a game. And in Game 7, he reverted back to Luongo on the road and gave up a bunch of goals, and and they lost. So, uh, tough series for Canucks fans. And come on, do you really have to riot and burn cars after the series? I mean, I just don't get that. I don't get that either. And it's like, do these guys come with their crowbars and, and their you know <laughs> bottle rockets and their everything else just ready in the back of the car to go? That's just so weird. I don't well, get the idea. Well, you get the feeling that they're going to riot, win, or lose. Yeah, if they win, much. they're turning cars over and starting <laughs> fires. If they lose, which they did, exactly. they're going to start fires and turn cars over. I don't get it. Our next headline It's the 111th edition of the U.S. Open, and it's at the Congressional Country Club in Bethesda, Maryland this weekend. Graham McDowell is the defending champion. No Tiger Woods. Phil Mickelson looking for his first U.S. Open championship. He's finished second numerous times. Griggs, I think only Phil Mickelson can make this a compelling uh, golf tournament. Tiger will be missed. NBC's got to be very upset, the fact that Tiger's not in it. I'll watch for a little bit, but I'm not super compelled to tune in. I will say this, though. I watched a video, and I tweeted it this week. It's spreading virally all over the Internet with Bubba Watson and Ricky Fowler. It's like this uh, music video they did that's very, very funny. And I've criticized the PGA golfers for not having personalities. They had great personality in this video. So if you get a chance, uh, follow me at SB Radio 
and check that out or just Google it online. You'll find it. Ricky Fowler, Bubba Watson. It's a very funny video. Did you see it? I haven't seen it yet, but I've see, I've heard people talking about it. and It's really I, funny. I love it that it, there's a sport like golf where everybody thinks, oh, they're quiet and they're stuck up and they're just, uh, they don't do anything fun. And then when they do something like that, it's awesome. I mean, we love it because it's hilarious because you're not used to seeing these people do stuff like well, that. Well, Bubba Watson's like <laughs> running around the golf course in <laughs> suspenders with a no, no shirt. I love it. Uh, barefoot. So it, it's funny. I mean, they look like a bunch of hicks, but it, it's very funny how uh, they portray themselves. And I just thought, you know what? Finally, some personality from golfers. Our final headline, Adam Helfand is stepping down from the ATP at the end of the year. This was announced this uh, week. He's been with them for three years. He had come from Nike. So the ATP, which is basically the tennis tour, they're going to be looking for uh, a new leader executive chair and president. All right, coming up next, Forrest Lucas, very diverse businessman, Lucas Oil Products. His name is on Lucas Oil Stadium where the Indianapolis Colts play. He's got a big hand in motorsports. Coming up after that, Bill Duffy, prominent NBA agent, will discuss the CBA. That's all coming up. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to PumpkinRidge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. This is Sports Business Radio. My guest is Forrest Lucas. He's the 69-year-old entrepreneur and president of Lucas Oil Products, one of the world's largest makers of automotive lubricants, additives, and greases. The company brings in more than $150 million annually, selling more than 100 products across the United States and abroad. Forrest, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Good. Good. Good to talk to you. So you've got an incredible story. Uh, you were working two jobs trying to build your own trucking company. You were fed up with equipment breaking down, and you realized that you needed to develop better oil products. Tell us the story of how Lucas Oil Company was born. Well, it's a little bit like that. We had our own fleet of old trucks and constantly having problems, so I thought there got to be some kind of better lubricant. So I started buying stuff that other people were making, trying this and that. Pretty much none of it worked, but uh, it got me interested enough to start studying it. And uh, I made some stuff that was working pretty good. And then I blundered on to my, my secret attitude <laughs> that it really made it good. And uh, I actually researched back and found out, you know, the, the guy who really made it to start with made it for all the things I was using it for. So I knew I was on the right track, and 
that's still pretty much got the same formulas. We have the have the stuff made uh, for us. Nobody else has it. You'd have to change all the equipment. All the big companies would have to change all the equipment around to make it in there. It's it's hard to it's hard to work with. But once we get it in there, it's instructable. So that's you that's all apart from everybody else's. You've got a lot of diverse interests. I, I've read up on you, and obviously uh, you're heavily involved in motorsports. Your son, I see, is the driver of the Geico Lucas Oil Top Fuel Dragster. You're going to be in Bristol this weekend to watch him with your wife, Charlotte. And, um, you know, obviously you paid a lot of money for the naming rights for Lucas Oil Stadium, where the Indianapolis Colts play there in Indianapolis. How did you get all these diverse interests? Have you always been interested in sports, or did this kind of come to you in the last uh, 10, 20 years? Well, I really got us into racing uh, as, a, as a medium for advertising. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to have a Lucas Oil, I wanted to be a cool product. It's great for race cars. It makes the oil real slick and wear-out proof, stands up to real high temperature, so it was perfect for race cars. But I wanted people to to think it was cool, and I had to have some way to get people to look at it, because it a brand-new product. We didn't have any money for television advertising or anything like that at the time, so I made these little sets of gears. I don't know, you've probably seen them at auto parts stores. We turn one's got plain oil, another one's got our oil stabilizer mixed with it. Right. So uh, to get people to look at that... If this is back in the time when people still took their Saturday night car to the racetrack on an open trailer. You could not see an old race car going down the street without looking at it. So, zing. I go out, uh, I sponsor a little old sprint car, 17-year-old boy, still drives for us. And matter of fact, he's a distributor for us in New Zealand right now. Uh, painted it all up real pretty, Lucas Oil. Got me an old super comp dragster and... Did the same with it, and uh, I had the top and bottom pictures set on the counter. People looked at race cars, read a little about it, and asked the counter guy if the stuff really works. Yeah, it does, and there we go. That's it. That's a that's in a, in one minute. <laughs> it all started. That's how we got started with the racing, and then then it just kept getting bigger and bigger. We started, you know, all the all the auto parts chains were in the racing, in some way or another. So uh, in drag racing, so that's when I. So we'll, we want to be as big as we can. And as the company grew, we had more money to spend. We got bigger cars and finally some old top fuel cars and finally started sponsoring the races themselves. So we made racing work. Yeah, and you even got like a, a television production facility where you're doing hours upon hours of motorsports television and video. So, I mean, this is a big operation for you. Yeah, they uh, we do over 300 hours of... Uh, racing television uh, each year right now and it's probably getting bigger but uh that we made that work we had this concept you know that we wanted to, i want to have us end the show themselves so we couldn't get uh couldn't get taken out if somebody wanted to change channels we turned back that we want to be in the show so uh i told the vice president we need to start looking for some of these little week racing series that we can that we can uh buy or build so we started doing that and then had an opportunity to hire the people who were making our commercials for us so i said so these guys over here to urbandale and see if they can tape a race so sure enough they could so that's when we started the production company and then that took off real fast we had these brilliant guys who built our own production trucks and production studio all in-house and uh 
and everybody knows somebody in that business, so everybody's telling everybody here's this great place to work. So we were able to pick up some really, really good production people. Things just keep on growing. Now we got these other sponsors that we brought in because we had more that we needed for ourselves. So let's sell some of the stuff uh, to some other people. So conversely, now we have Team Lucas, which is a uh, is a company where people can come and buy time in their in the show. That's great. We're joined by Forrest Lucas. He's the president of Lucas Oil Products. Forrest, for a lot of people, including myself, you know, I had heard of Lucas Oil Products, but I didn't really pay full attention to what you were doing until you did the naming rights for the home of the Colts, uh, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. 20-year deal, $122 million. What led you to want to do a naming rights sponsorship for the home of the Colts? And I know there's a lot of other events that take place there as well. Well, there is. That's what makes it beautiful. There's a lot of events going on there. It is definitely the nicest one in the country. And uh, I'll tell you the truth, we we were doing a lot of racing, but I, I knew there was a lot of people who were not race fans. We were still not really well known to a lot of people. In certain areas of the country we were, certain areas of the country we were not. So I was just kind of had my eyes and ears open for something if something came along. I was not expecting it to be anything that big, but just just watching and here it come. You know, we were already sponsoring the, the RCA Dome. We had some sponsorship inside, nothing like like this, but uh, and the Colts came to us and said, hey, would you be interested in this? And my first thought was, no, that's crazy high. I'd never be able to afford that. Right. Um, Driving home about an hour later, and I got to thinking about it. Well, I don't know how much it really does cost, and I need to find out more about it. So I set up a meeting with them, and we, Bob Patterson and uh, Tom Fredrickson, we sat down and talked to them, and they made us a proposal. We, we worked it out, and that's where we got. You were saying you've seen a spike in your business since that naming rights deal's been done? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it worked. It, it worked. Everybody knew pretty much after that. Uh, very, very hard to find somebody now who hasn't heard of the Lucas Oil Stadium, at least. No, you're exactly right. I think it was great. And for me, you know, I'm not a huge motorsports guy, but I know you from that naming rights deal. So I fit into the category of people that uh, I know a lot more about you because of that naming rights deal. Last question for you. I see that you've got uh, the Colts motorcycle, and it drives around at the Colts games, and you guys helped uh, put that together. That's really cool. I like that. Well, that that we had that built. uh by uh, Milwaukee Iron, uh, it's two one-hour shows on uh, television on Discovery Channel. They built that bike. It was like, the most famous bike in the in the country because there's almost no sidecars. And they showed that show over and over and over again. But we repainted it to Colts Blue, and uh, every home game we have some dignitary or some uh, some special person of some kind gets a ride out in it, and we sell it to the charities. Uh, let some of the Carries down your cell. Every, every home game, it leaves the team out. Yeah. And then we use it for a lot of uh, just trade shows and stuff. Sit around because people out here all know it. That's great. I like it. You've got a great story. You've done an amazing job of activating your name and your product around sports, whether it's motorsports or uh, the Colts home stadium. So congratulations on that. And I really appreciate you taking time to join us on Sports Business Radio. And I wish you continued success. Well, thank you very much. It's fun being on here with you, and uh, good luck with what you're doing there, and we'll keep on doing our part. Thanks, Forrest. Take care. 
Bye bye. That's Forrest Lucas. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter. Twitter.com slash SB Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm joined right now on the phone by Bill Duffy, the president of BDA Sports. Bill's been an agent for a long time helping basketball players. Represents Greg Oden, Steve Nash, Rajon Rondo, Yao Ming, and others. Bill, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. I've got to tell the story just quickly. Uh, 2007, I tagged along with Bill Duffy and several of the players I just mentioned for a charity event in China, and I'm walking through this lobby of this really fancy hotel talking, not paying attention. I start falling into this like lake that's in the middle of the hotel, and Bill grabs me and keeps me from probably splitting my head wide open. So, Bill, I've got to thank you for that right off the bat. Well, I'm glad I was able to assist you because all my friends think when I played basketball, I never made any assists. (laughs) This is a lot more important, so I want you to spread that message. All right, I will. So let's talk some business here. Uh, Your agency represents Greg Oden. The Blazers have until June 30th to figure out what they're doing with Greg Oden. Let me just ask you from the get-go, does Greg Oden want to be in Portland for the long term? Uh, The short answer of that is yes. Um, I think Greg, from what I can gather, uh, feels like there's unfinished business there. Absolutely loves the community. Uh, he loves the chemistry of the team. Uh, he knows that there's a commitment there to excel. And I think on a personal level, uh, he has the same aspirations. So there's a, uh, you know, a duplicate desire here to, to win and to be competitive. And I, I just, you know, the, the poor kid's been an unfulfilled, you know, mission on an unfulfilled mission at this point. So. He definitely wants to correct things, and he's working very, very hard uh, to put himself in that position. Yeah, he's only 23 years old, so, I mean, he's nowhere even near his prime, so you would think if he could just get healthy, and we've seen the glimpses right before he got hurt. I mean, he had a 20-rebound game. He was dominant, so if he could just stay on the court for a stretch, why do you think, I mean, is he, you hear injury-prone all the time, but is there any science as to why he's gotten hurt so often? Well, you know, we're, we're still trying to wrap our, our minds around that. I mean, everyone has put a lot of, of effort in, in keeping him healthy when he gets hurt, but I think you learn more, about, more and more about your body. And, and I've, I've shared this with him personally. I kind of liken this to Anthony Munoz 
who actually I played high school sports against who was injured at USC. And there's a parallel here because Greg played one year in college. But throughout Anthony Munoz's first three college years, I think he played a total of 10 games. And he was finally healthy his senior year, ends up being the third pick, fourth pick in the draft, and becomes a Hall of Fame and arguably one of the best offensive tackles ever, you know, in history. And I think you, you learn about your body, you correct things, and maybe there's some deformative things that you, you can make adjustments to as you learn more and more. And then once you, you learn that and you learn how to train where your weaknesses or you know, idiosyncrasies are, and you move forward from that, I, I think it's just been more of an education. But I don't think anything else can happen. So, and I think he's healed properly, and, and now we've had the, the best medical care possible, and his head is straight, and I think he sees the light at the end of the tunnel. Bill, how much is it just a big person on big knees and big feet? I mean, you represent Yao Ming, and he's had his share of problems that may force his retirement. Have those guys talked at all about what they can do to stay healthy? And, and you know, they're just big guys with tough health problems. You know, I, I think it's it's the brittleness of the bones and the and the, the thrust with these big guys who put so much pressure on their bodies, and you know the only, I mean you've seen Bill Walton, I mean you've seen just a number of guys, Kevin McHale who I played college ball with, I mean always had those same issues and it, it caught up to him later in his career, but I, I think it's just you know big guys who put a lot of pressure on their bodies and and maybe their feet are like everyone else's, they're just not as strong. Um, to withstand all that force and pounding. And also, you know, what, what has also changed dramatically, and, and I've always shared this as it relates to Greg and Yao Ming, these guys play basketball, whether it's through AAU or playing with the national team in China, they play, you know, upwards of 150 games a year. And, and that can't help but wear you down. So I think rest is important and, and knowing where to exert pressure, not putting pressure on your joints uh, and your bones during the offseason, but just kind of change your training so that it's a limited amount of time that you have such consistent impact on your body. Joined by Bill Duffy, the president of BDA Sports. He represents Greg Oden, Steve Nash, Yao Ming, Rajon Rondo. I just had Chad Buchanan on, acting GM of the Blazers, and the Blazers seem pleased with Greg's work ethic, the progress he's making. He's down there in Los Angeles working out and rehabbing. What are you seeing from Greg as far as his rehab goes? I see the same. Um, I see a, a, a work ethic. There's other professional athletes, if I'm not mistaken. I think Tom Brady's training there. Corey Maggette, he sees other guys coming in and working really hard, guys who are accomplished, and I think that's inspiring him. I think those guys are also, like, patting him on the back. I also think just, you know, like, because he's not in Portland, he's able to kind of go. It's almost like a retreat, even though it's L.A., where let me go out here and really focus on when I come back it's going to be the new Greg Oden. I think another aspect that's critically important is just he's matured a lot. Like, I think in terms of, you know, how he eats, how he rests, I mean, just that whole education process, the maturation in him, I think, has been very pronounced. Uh, and I think that's going to pay dividends moving forward once he's healthy. So if there is a work stoppage, players can't talk to their trainers. They can talk to their doctors, but they can't talk to their trainers. So do you feel pretty confident that Greg's working with a good training staff? So if he can't talk to Jay Jensen and the Blazer trainers, his rehab will continue seamlessly? Absolutely. And I mean, obviously, we'll be hands-on as an agency ourselves. We have, uh, you know, 40 or so, 45 players in the NBA. So we'll work collectively with the guys to make sure they're they're all working. They all are in environments and competitive environments, even amongst themselves, to work, train, 
uh, we have direct access to a lot of the best professionals as well. So we'll make sure there's no drop-off. So microfracture surgery, they say 12 months. He's in month seven right now. How soon till he can return to the basketball court, do you think? Well, again, you, you proceed with caution. We don't want to come back too soon, so... Uh, we're not going to even challenge it until we get to that 12-month threshold. And if it were December or November or January, we, we just can't afford any more slip-ups. So we'll wait till we get full clearance and then probably err on the side of caution maybe a month or so after that. You guys are very full service. You're very outside the box. Have you ever sat Greg down with a sports psychologist? Because I would imagine at 23 years old, after you've been hurt as many times as he has, the mental part of coming back is just as important as the physical part. Yeah, he's been very receptive. We have done that to uh, counseling, therapy, intervention, just to, to let him understand all the pressures uh, and not to put too much pressure on himself, but just to, to everybody needs that, not just an athlete, but just someone to talk to and, and share your, your thoughts and your concerns and, and kind of just get reassurance that you do things the right way, you stay patient and you know, keep your eye on the prize that you'll be fine. So, yeah, he's been very receptive to that. And the beauty about him is, as you, you all know, up in Portland, he's highly intelligent, so he's very receptive to that, and he's an educated person. He went to college for one year, but he's also gone back to summer school, so he has, you know, educational, intellectual aspirations that, you know, endear him to that more so that he's open and willing to, to get professional, you know, guidance and support at every level. That, that's just not in that respect in terms of his business people, his financial planners. I mean, he's very engaged and, and very meticulous in learning about those nuances. Last question on Odin. It's his agent, and I know Mike Conley works with him, too. You know, I look at what Horford got and what Noah got on their deals, roughly about $12 million a year. How do you set value with a guy who's 23 years old, he's seven foot tall, he was the number one pick in the 2007 draft, but he's been hurt and he's only played 82 games in three seasons how do you set his value well that's uh <laughs> that's the mastery of the agency business i guess um you know you quite frankly we hadn't even thought about that and we don't we don't want him thinking about that we want him thinking about getting out on the court we feel like he'll have the opportunity uh before we have those discussions for him to establish what his value is uh, not just with portland but throughout the league and that will be a process and you know there's two aspects of that it's how much the current team values you and then how much the market uh, receptivity there is to you so that that'll work itself out it's not the focal point right now but it will be when we get to that that process just a few minutes left with bill duffy the president of bda sports reps the likes of greg odin steve nash rajon rondo yao ming all right, so we know that there could be a work stoppage, and I know teams can't really talk about things, but from where you sit as an agent representing many prominent players in the NBA, where do you think this thing is headed, Bill? Um, I think it's we're going to have a work stoppage. Let me clarify that. I think we're going to have a lockout. Um, I don't think anyone will feel pressure until we get to the latter part of the summer and we're approaching training camp. Uh, we're pretty far apart in terms of our issues, and what's interesting is there's a, a, a parallel situation with professional football that that we're studying and observing. I think both sides are, and as it relates to the litigation in, in football, I think there's things we can learn on what steps could be taken on both sides. So, I mean, it's business, and when you get to this aspect, you roll up your sleeves and you protect your, your turf, and the owners want to protect their turf and the players want to protect, you know, what they feel their entitlements are. So uh, it's going to get, a, I don't want to say nasty, but it's going to get uh, pretty tense here, uh, I think, after July 1. 
NFL players decertified. They don't have guaranteed contracts, though. They just get paid for their signing bonuses. NBA players have guaranteed contracts. Do you ever see a scenario where NBA players may actually decertify as part of this process? I do, and if that's the only legal recourse or remedy that the players see, I I think they'll go to that extent. I think that works both ways, though. Uh, The players may be sacrificing contracts, but I don't think that owners want every player in the NBA having the capability to sign indiscriminately wherever they choose to sign because there's some significant franchise players on teams that you know they would have the ability to just go wherever they choose to go. And I don't think anyone wants that chaos, but I think that would be equally disruptive to the owners as it would the players. So, Bill, explain to our listeners, if the NBA players decertify, that means that all of the contracts that are currently signed are null and void. So LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, Greg Oden, anyone else, their contracts would immediately be null and void. Is that correct? That's not an absolute certainty. I think there has to be some uh, a, a legal opinion on that. Uh, before that step is taken. I don't think that's 100% clear. I know David Stern has said that that is the case, but I think that that needs to be analyzed a little more closely from a legal perspective. You're a guy who has tremendous relationships with uh, other entities outside of the United States. If there was a lengthy work stoppage, would you ever suggest to your players, hey, go play abroad until this thing gets settled? Uh, we did that actually in 1998 with Michael Oluwakandi, who was the first pick in the draft. We signed a short-term contract with Kinder Bologna at the time, and then we had language in his contract that upon the lockout termination or when the lockout was over that he'd have the ability to come back. So we, we have done that before. I would say we probably have five or ten clients that, that would be of interest to teams at a very high level. Um, I think you'd see more of that in the Asian markets, uh, in Japan and China, because, you know, those are countries that are trying to compete with Europe. And I think they would be more compelled to be flexible on contracts to have that type of star power and then also have the same flexibility. So, I mean, every option is on the table when you're talking about your, you know, your livelihood and your career. So I I think as the thing goes on and on and on, players are going to start asking for options. And I think as an agency, we have, you know, players all over the world, I think we can provide options at that point. Last question before I let you go. What are the main issues at stake here for the players and the owners? Is it BRI? Is it uh, length of contract? What are the main two to three main issues in your mind? I think it's the, the hard cap, uh, which I think is, is just, you, we, you can't agree to a hard cap. That, that type of rigidity, it, it's harmful to the players' mobility, but it, and I also think it's harmful for the teams because they have inflexibility to change the composition of their rosters. But if you analyze the NBA structure right now as we speak, you've got a, a rookie scale, so there's, there's cost certainty on a rookie player. You have two option years within the first four years of a rookie's contract, so you have two options to evaluate the progress of your rookie before you commit to them on a long-term basis. You have a salary cap, which is a soft cap. That soft cap allows teams to go over that to re-sign their own players. You also have an a luxury tax, which in essence is a hard cap because the majority of the teams choose not to go over the luxury tax, so there's cost certainty at a higher level above the soft cap. Then the fourth mechanism is you have an escrow tax, where the players are already giving up to 10% of their salaries back if the revenues exceed a certain level. So they have four levels of cost certainty at the various levels of a player's career. So from my vantage point, I don't see what more certainty they need. It, it, to me, it's like take responsibility for how you manage your organization, the decisions you make. And, I mean, you see coaches getting humongous contracts 
that's on a management level. So, I mean, to me, it's like when you win and you manage it properly, then, you know, the profits come in, the value of franchise increases. You've had examples of Sacramento when they had their, their years with Weber and, and Bibby and Stojakovic where they were successful and with a high payroll. You've seen, you know, San Antonio because they, they, they managed their situation wisely. I think they made money. Um, they were a championship contender without being in a huge market. Now you see parity in the league. You see our, o- Oklahoma City progressing in the playoffs as a young team by virtue of their good decisions, their draft picks. You see Memphis now, you know, where they've, they've had a chance to create stability and, and sign their own players because of the structure, and they're a competitive team now. So the, the parity that they're seeking, they already have. So I, I just don't see where there needs to be a change. I think sometimes, you know, the employer needs to take better inventory on how they manage their expenses. You know, nobody's forcing them to play, pay salaries to various players. And if you make good decisions on coaching, management, player movement, then you're likely going to have a good product. And if you market it well in the community, as Mark Cuban has, despite the fact he has a huge payroll, you win a championship, and I'm sure there's ancillary benefit to that. As someone who's been around the NBA a long time, you're very influential. How much will you be sitting at the bargaining tables as this all gets hammered out? Uh, I'll be in the back room because this is the players' union, and the players run it. The agents ad- advise uh, the union and the players. But um, I mean, obviously, I'm heavily invested in this thing, and I've been involved heavily in, in the previous negotiations, kind of behind the scenes as an advisor. But the agents are the ones who do this day to day. So our participation is is paramount and critical to the process. Bill Duffy, one of the best agents in all of sports. Bill, I really appreciate you taking time to join me today. It's my pleasure, and uh, I hope all is well. Thank you very much. That's Bill Duffy, president of BDA Sports. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. More of the show is coming up. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. 
Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. The LeBron James hatred continues. The Peoria Chiefs, a Class A affiliate of the Chicago Cubs in the Midwest League, held LeBron James NBA Championship Replica Giveaway Night. Replica rings, also known as Air, were handed out by stadium workers as fans entered the park. The Chiefs also had petitioned the league to skip the fourth inning. Another poke at LeBron James, who scored just 18 points during the fourth quarter in six NBA Finals games. We aren't sure if the league will allow it, Peoria President Rick Vonishen said in a statement earlier this week. But if LeBron doesn't need to show up for the fourth quarter, maybe we don't either. And then, really, this is just us getting back to the real world and waking up today and trying to solve our own personal problems, Vice President of Ticket Sales Eric Obali said. I mean, are you kidding me, Griggs? This has nothing to do with basketball, but everyone is jumping in to poke fun at LeBron. His marketing status has really taken a downward spiral with his performance in the NBA Finals. It's amazing. Even Tiger Woods, who did something immoral and really tarnished his brand, I don't remember him taking this kind of heat from fans. Yeah, it's just something about LeBron and how he how he carries himself, the, the pride he brings. It's like... I don't know what it is, but something that everybody loves to hate on him. And then I think a lot of people just love seeing him lose and play so badly because now they open up stories like this, and I think there'll be more of these popping up. Well, even I saw some tweets this week when Luongo was choking away Game 7 for the Canucks. People were writing, Luongo equals LeBron. You know, I mean, LeBron is like synonymous with choking now. And he's 0-2 in the finals. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with him marketing-wise, just like it'll be interesting to see what happens with Dirk and uh, Mark Cuban. All right. Thanks on our show this week to our guests, Forrest Lucas and Bill Duffy, our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. A podcast reminder, you can catch us on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the iTunes link or the podcast link. Uh, Fill out our survey, sportsbusinessradio.com. We're trying to learn more about who listens to our show. You can have a chance to come on this show if we pick you at random, if you filled out that survey. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. I'm a proud father. Griggs, happy Father's Day to you. Same to you. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next weekend right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.